is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, it's Election Day in Georgia. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Tuesday, December 6, 2022. We've been waiting a long time to get here, and we are finally here. It is now time for the election. Okay, what's going on with my picture, y'all? Come on, come on, come on. Well, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get right back to you, everybody, but let us let us talk about the election today. Let us talk about the election today. Let's talk about it. Uh, call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Who you got in this election? Who do you have? Who do you have? Call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. We're also going to be talking about this election um, the primaries, you know, we're going into 2024. We are already here. Hey, everybody, I'm back. And so now there's a this controversy, if you will, about uh, South Carolina and whether South Carolina should be uh, promoted to the front of the pack. They call the South Carolina primary the black primary, but there's much more to it than that. I used to spend half of my summers in South Carolina because that is where my father's from. And then the other half, we'd be in Virginia, which is where my mother's uh, mother was living. So, you know, I got a chance to see that, you know, Virginia is a military state. And my grandfather was a veteran and my great man, my grandmother worked at the Veterans Administration Hospital. But I also have seen the evolution of South Carolina. They have manufacturing. They have tourism in the low country. Uh, there is just a lot to South Carolina, more than it being a black primary. Uh, it is a real hodgepodge of what America is about. It has everything there. The Greenville that I used to visit, where my, where my father grew up, is not the Greenville that I know today. It's just amazing because, number one, it's a center in the United States for the auto industry. That's right. All of these major auto dealers, not dealers, manufacturers, have a stake, have a toehold in South Carolina, for example. So there's a lot going on. There's much more to South Carolina than it being a black primary. But what's wrong with rewarding the backbone of your party? I mean, New Hampshire, Iowa, I think it's important, obviously. But is it not time for us to move things along? We're going to be talking about that today as we discuss what's happening in Georgia, everybody. Greg Palast will be with us because he's saying that, you know what, you got to be very, very careful because um, there are some hidden dangers for Raphael Warnock. That's why we need to get out here and vote today. He gave a wonderful YouTube, and I've posted it on my on my on my Facebook page, the Santita Jackson and Friends page. More of you are joining me over there. Please go to Santita Jackson and Friends. Santita, Jackson, and friends. So please, please, I need to, I want you to be my friend. Santita Jackson is a landing page, so I cannot take anybody over there. In fact, Facebook has been purging thousands of you down through the years because they have a 5,000-person 5, 5, limit. So do me a favor and go over to the Santita Jackson and Friends page. I had to open that up so that I could accommodate everybody. So let's let's do that. Let's uh, let's all be together over on the Santita Jackson and Friends page. Everybody, call me at seven seven three seven six three nine seven eight. I want to know what you think about this primary. 
just let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know. I want to know what you think, who you think is going to pull it out today. Who do you think is going to pull it out? Because Republicans absolutely vote on Election Day. So let's get to some of these headlines, everybody. Chicago will have a high of 44 degrees, kind of warm. Showers, Minneapolis, St. Paul, very cold, 27 degrees, mostly sunny in the NFL. The Buccaneers pulled one out in the last three or four minutes of the game. Tom Brady is something else, 17 to 16 over the Saints. Then the NHL, the Chicago uh, team, they need to change their name too. We'll be playing the Devils. They need to change their name as well. How about that piece? What's going to happen in Georgia? Well, you know what? Everybody's talking about that today. So let's keep our eyes open, and I want to hear your thoughts in this runoff, this historic runoff. Indeed, the runoff was set in place to dilute the black vote. Did that happen? Officials in Hawaii have activated the state's National Guard as lava from the eruption of Mauna Loa, steadily inches closer to a critical highway. Conservative members of the Supreme Court appear to side with a graphic designer who doesn't want to work with same-sex couples on their wedding websites. Indeed, Justice Alito joked about a black Santa and AshleyMadison.com during arguments in same sex cases. Very interesting, but it looks like that um, the six justices, the conservative justices, will be ruling on the side of the website designer who does not want to work with same-sex couples. The 10 countries with the least paid vacation, the United States, guess what, is number two. Uh Uh-huh, right behind Micronesia. And we're the only developed country, as they put it, that does not have a statutory requirement for paid leave. Isn't that interesting? That's right. Um, Italy is aging faster than its uh, European Union peers. But, you know, that's happening in all of Europe. It's very interesting. We're watching Europe begin to struggle as their former colonies are on the ascendance, Pastor. (laughs) You You can't make this stuff up. And guess what? 10,000 people have signed an open letter demanding that President Biden order paid sick leave for railway workers because that was compromised out because the ruling class won this one. But you know what? People need to go on and strike and do whatever they need to do so they can get paid sick leave. I think everybody deserves that. You know, we've been talking, Pastor Stephen Thurston, about the supply chain, supply chain and how it's broken, right? Well, you know what didn't get broken during this, this supply chain problem that we're still in the midst of? You know what's not been broken? (laughs) Global arms sales and deliveries. Boom. How about that? We couldn't stop that. Come on now. You can't make this (laughs) up. I said, wait, wait. And you all wonder why sometimes I get a little long with my my headlines because I find things like that for you and go, are you serious right now? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) You can get a gun, but you can't get baby formula. That's right. <laughs> Pastor Stephen Thurston, Facebook Live this afternoon at 3 p.m. at Central Standard Time. And, of course, he is the teaching pastor of the Salem Baptist Church, the House of Hope, the largest black church in the state of Illinois. And, of course, he is part of the iconic New Covenant family, uh, one of our historic black churches. Several generations of Thurstons have led that congregation. Can't wait for you to assume uh, your 
rightful place of responsibility there after you take a little brief hiatus from all this time that you put in at Salem with Pastor Meeks and um, First Lady Jamel Meeks. They're a fantastic family, and I can't believe he's going to be retiring, but I look forward to all that he's going to be doing, he and First Lady Meeks, as they move into another phase of their lives. Talk to me. What's the good news today? Well, the good news is that we can actually... Uh, have a good holiday. It's, it, it is a holiday season, as we all know, and it's often said that this is the most wonderful time of the year. That's what a lot of people say, but that's not the case for everybody. And I want us to be cognizant of that. Now, for those of you who are coping with the loss of a loved one, family estrangement, loneliness, financial difficulties, or health struggles, the holidays can be one of the hardest times of the year. And for some, the holidays can feel as if you've been cast out into the cold and forced to look through the window of a happy, loving family. Hmm. The reality is that many of us find ourselves filled with feelings of longing for things that can never be, such as more time with the loved one that transitioned or a supportive family. Find ourselves swept into memories of holidays past or lost in fantasy fantasies about what the holidays would be like if we had a different life. We find ourselves feeling pressured to hide our problems, put on a happy smile and an ugly Christmas sweater and attend that office <laughs> holiday party. There we smile and we engage in exhausting small talk and do our best to avoid the subject of what we'll actually be doing for the holidays. We buy the obligatory gifts for our friends and even some of our coworkers. After spending hours trying to figure out what they might like, worrying that we might miss the mark. Some of us even host parties and obsess over making our tree look absolutely perfect in a desperate effort to please or to impress others and give the impression that everything is actually fine in our life. Mm-hmm. See, society has filled our heads with unrealistic notions about perfect gifts, immaculate homes decorated with lavish matching decorations, endless resources to spend, and happy times spent with family. And the truth is that some of us find ourselves exhausted and stressed trying to live up to these social pressures and expectations. But here's the good news. The good news is that I, I want to encourage you with the con- with, with concerning the holidays is that I have learned that most the most important thing that we can do over holidays is to take care of ourselves. Hmm. It's not having the perfect house. It's not giving the gift that, that, that's going to keep on giving. The most important thing that we can do over holidays is to take care of ourselves. And I get it. For some of you, all that sounded weird because you probably feel guilty putting your own needs first. But here's what I've discovered over the years. I've learned that my own needs are just as important as everyone else's. And if we sacrifice ourselves to please others, it can not only be harmful to ourselves, but those around us as well. So if you find yourself struggling this holiday season, here's what I want you to do. Take time to reflect on how you would like to spend the holidays. Remember, you don't have to buy the perfect gift for everyone. You don't have to go on further debt. Some of us are still paying credit card bills from last Christmas purchases. You don't have to put up a tree. You don't have to decorate the entire house. You don't have to spend hours baking cookies or that famous cake that you're known for, or even attend that family gathering. The most important thing that you can do if you're struggling during the holiday season 
is to pay attention to your own needs and do what you feel is best for you. So if you feel like curling up on the couch with Netflix or a good book and your pet instead of going to a party or family gathering, give yourself permission to do just that. Listen, it can sometimes be better for your health and your well-being to decline some invitation and just rest. You've been pushing hard all year long. Some of us just need to sit down for a minute. I've discarded some of the holiday traditions that don't bring me joy. I don't force myself to do anything that I'm not feeling up for. And listen, I do not spend time with people I don't feel comfortable being around. Once I started doing this, the holidays stopped being draining, exhausting, and socially challenging and started to become more relaxing and peaceful and even enjoyable. I just want to remind you to love on yourself this holiday season. Maybe that's the gift that you need to give to yourself, loving on yourself. And that means sometimes doing what's best for you. The best thing that any of us can do this holiday season is to be kind to ourselves and take care of ourselves like we would our closest friend. This is the best holiday gift sometimes that we can give ourselves, Santita. Enjoy the holiday. No, no, no. I love that. Because you know what? Do you know that's where I am this year? Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to do that. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that. It's just, you're just underscoring where I am. I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, and you're buying gifts that people are not going to use. And for what? (laughs) I mean, and you're doing it because you want to see that look in their eye of appreciation. Get over yourself. You know what, (laughs) Stephen, you and I need to just go out and have have dinner or lunch like we normally do and enjoy each other and keep it it moving. What? That's it. That's it. Yes, ma'am. That's the gift. You know, I mean, I've buried several foundational friends over the past couple of years. Two last week. It's been a tough, tough, tough couple of years for me. Yeah. And oh, my goodness, I miss them terribly. I miss them. But I know that they've gone to be with the Lord. And so they're with, you know, hey, they're waiting for me. That having been said, and I'm here because I got to finish my work. That having been said, I'm doing the things that I need to do. And that's the end of that. Okay. Yes. And that's yes. it. That's it, everybody. That that's a great lesson. F- Facebook Live this afternoon at what time? We're going to shift the time today, and we're going to look at two p.m. two p.m. Central okay. Standard Time today, okay. and we're going to be focusing on spiritual bypassing. A different kind of topic because so many people will use God to escape the realities of their life instead of doing their part in the process to, to move towards healing and change and transformation. So I want to look at that today so that we don't keep falling into that same trap. Okay. I love that. And how and where can we find you on Facebook? Stephen Thurston. You put my name in, my dad's going to come up, but you'll also see me. You'll see my picture there. Head over to the page at 2 p.m. And if you miss it at 2, it'll be there. So you can always go back and catch the rebroadcast on it. Love you, Pastor Stephen Thurston. Sending you much love today. Give my love to your family. Can't wait. Can't yes, wait. Yes, ma'am. Those in Georgia, just, go out and vote. If you okay. haven't voted already, go out and vote. Make your voice count today. Right. Your fellow preacher and Morehouse alum is running today, and we are pulling for him. I have yes, no ma'am. shame about that. I don't need. I don't need yes, to sir. diminish uh, Herschel Walker to tell you that I am pulling for Raphael Warnock. Full stop. Period. That's it. 
So <laughs> many people have been concerned about where Deion Sanders is going to work. I'm concerned about where Raphael Warnock is going to work. And I need him to go to work in Washington. You know, but I tell you, I think we need to understand that complexion doesn't change direction. And that is one of the great lessons of this moment. Complexion does not change correction. Identity politics, I don't care whether it's your race, your religion, you know, whatever space that you occupy, that's not enough. You need to have someone who's going to be compassionate and who's going to do right by all citizens, period. That's it. That's it. Full stop. Full stop. I'm done with that, y'all. Because I told you, I don't just vote for people because of their color. I am not going to do that. I expect you as a black person to come in with another kind of compassion because of what I expect that from Jews. I expect that from um, from people of color. I expect that from anyone who's lived under the boot of oppression. But if you don't yes, do ma'am. that, you lose my you lose my support. I'm done with you. Yeah. Sure. Love you, Pastor Stephen Thurston. You know we've Love got Doctor Nina Knighton with us. But you know what? I want you to hear this state because I need you to hear this because Pastor Thurston is. Um, little OCD, uh, Dr. Shanina Knight, and he is really persnickety, very, very careful. And you've been telling us that we really need to wash our hands. And as we're watching the COVID news about the pandemic causing rapid brain aging in our children, the CDC is encouraging people to wear masks. I said, no, 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 no. Let me not bring that up today. I saw wash your hands. That's from studyfinds.org. Self-service checkout screens. And keyboards are crawling with fecal bacteria. Deal with that. Hello? Yes, no. I can only smile because you know like this is in my my wheelhouse and my work. And so it's been a thing. I think the problem is, it's like we just don't pay attention and think about the fact what is happening with others. Unbelievable! How does that? How does fecal bacteria stay on your hands? Um, a couple of things. So for one, I'm be honest. So people with pets. Okay, so let we we could talk about the human piece of that of just not cleaning your hands correctly after using a restroom, which is a real thing. And I think I mentioned that before. Only three to six percent of people clean their hands correctly. People typically miss scrubbing up under the fingernails. If you have longer fingernails, they miss scrubbing that. So that stuff is going to live up under those surfaces as well as on jewelry, right? And so people don't clean properly on their hands. But the other aspect of that is, is even in addition to them not cleaning their hands correctly after wrestling you, which is scary because we got people dealing with food, right? So even after that happens, you still have individuals that have pets. You got to remember, everybody not wiping their pets, you know, behind. And think about how many people had their pets sit up on their furniture or in their bed. And And want them to sit up on you. (laughs) Exactly. No, but that's the truth. And so think about that whole process within itself. And hands are the number one thing that's going to rub, like, let's say, your dog. You're going to touch your dog's face. You're going to do all that stuff. And so I'm not blaming it on pets, but I'm saying there's many different ways for which that can happen. So it does not surprise me whatsoever. The other piece of it is, is those screens are not clean. I bring that up all the time because even to around travel, Santita, 
don't know if you remember, but last year I was just drawing a correlation between the fact that somebody goes to TSA, they don't have like, let's say their ticket on their phone, right? They don't have their ticket on their phone, but they might go through the TSA line. Um, and let's say hand them, I mean, they got to go to the kiosk screen where everybody's fingers and touched it. And now they got to go through the checkout line. Now they just pass their ID off. It's like just how you mentioned that kiosk screen or like touch screens having all of those germs on there. Imagine how many times like you are touching somebody else's germs by also having to interact with those very same screens. And those screens are common. They can clean. They do not make them to be a cleaner solution friendly. So nine times out of ten, they don't get wiped down. And so I tell people to look for a bottle of hand sanitizer around the screens when you're there. And if you don't see one, make sure that you have one on yourself to make sure that you clean your hands because it is a real thing. And what aggravates me is a lot of these places say that they have contactless payment, but then I got to pick up that little nasty pen to sign for it. So I'm already aggravated because it's like I done brought my touch. I done brought my Apple Pay. Or my other form of payment, so I don't even have to touch the screen, but I still got to touch mm-hmm. the screen. And they're like, oh, you got to sign a receipt. I'm like, this is the most contact full, contactless payment method that I've ever seen in my life. And so we have to Absolutely. think about what it is for touching. <laughs> Hey, Dr. Nina, everybody, at H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. Think about it. She makes you think. (sighs) Love her. Let's talk about South Carolina. Should it be first in the nation for the Democratic primary? Mm. South Carolina is a little bit more than the black primary. There's a whole lot going on there. (laughs) Wash your hands, everybody. Fecal matter is everywhere. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Tuesday, December 6, 2022. All eyes are on Georgia. People are voting in Georgia. Today, who is going to emerge victorious? Will it be Senator Raphael Warnock or will it be Citizen Herschel Walker? We all want to know. Uh, We have seen records broken. There has been an incredible interest in this election and more than almost 2 million people, 1.85 million people as of Saturday, had voted in this election. But Republicans are now encouraging people to vote on Election Day. So we're going to have to see what's going to happen. We're going to have to see what's going to happen. Uh, President Trump uh, did a viral shout out, if you will, a viral uh uh, not just endorsement because he is his hand-picked candidate, but he did a viral rally for uh, Herschel Walker. But he stayed out of the state, as did President Biden, but not President Obama, who's extremely popular, probably the most popular figure in the Democratic Party today. And so we're going to see how all of this adds up. Everybody I know is in Georgia today, except these persons. But we're going to have Greg Palestone at the top of the hour because he is seeing something that is troubling him about Raphael Warnock. Um, And it's just encouraging you to get out and vote. And everybody call somebody you know. 
and get them to vote today and get them to get some people out there to vote today. Before we bring on our guest, let me speak to Shapiro Wells. i got to get my order in for Christmas celebrations by us. How you doing, Shapiro Wells? I'm great, Tantita. We are up working already. We have some corporate orders to do. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We can handle all of your holiday needs. We can handle your turkey, your ham, your mac and cheese, your mozzarella, your Cajun pasta, your dressing, as well as also your candy potatoes as well as also our uh, sweets. We have our peach cobbler, our banana pudding, our caramel cake, our red velvet cake. So don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you, and thank you so much, Santita. Sending you much love. Hey, everybody, as we're looking at what's happening in Georgia, and I want you to call me at 773 773- Seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I want to talk about election twenty twenty four because indeed that's where we are now. Um, the presidential election, these federal elections, these governorships, all the House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate—they will be running once more. I mean, and local elections. We are moving into our Chicago mayoral election in just a few months. You just—it just doesn't stop. And so, please get registered and vote, everybody, and find out if you have been in the system, if you've been incarcerated, find out if you can vote. And today, call vote.org, go to vote.org, rather, and find out if you have been purged from the voter rolls. Whatever you do, get to the polls and work it out there. And once you're at the polls, call 1-866-OUR-VOTE, 1-866-OUR-VOTE, and, um, and have the lawyers walk you through the process of casting your vote. We have um, someone I have admired and just someone who I adore. I've known him for a long, long time. Indeed, he and Reverend Jackson have been joined at the hip for more than 40 years. And he's one of the icons in the progressive movement. Um, brilliant attorney, writer. He's been with Katrina Vanden Heuvel at the Nation magazine. He's been with the Institute for Policy Studies. But he, and as the president of the Institute for America's Future, he co-founded the Campaign for America's Future and continues to work with the Rainbow Push Coalition. Robert Borisage, Attorney Robert Borisage, absolutely brilliant and so glad that you are with us today, joined by New York Times bestselling author and Fair Vote Senior Fellow, uh, David Daly. We're going to talk about South Carolina. South Carolina has, you know, as you know better than anyone, because of course you came up you were in the Jackson campaigns. You were Reverend's, uh, what is it, policy or issues director in 1988. I just right. saw you all together every day. <laughs> and so, but in South Carolina, shockingly, I remember the Secret Service toddling to the back of the bus, uh, bringing, you know, because in 1984, what was high tech was a television that did not need to be plugged into the wall. Uh, and he showed Reverend, and he was in shock, as were we, kind of, sort of, that Reverend was winning Mississippi. And then Reverend really uh, won much of the South in 1984 and then absolutely took it in 1988. Many people then said, okay, South Carolina is a black primary. But there's much more to South Carolina. You've got, and I've spent a lot of time there, Bob Borisage, because growing up, you know, we would spend half of our summers with our parents, with our parents' parents. And so I spent half the summer in South Carolina. The Greenville that I knew 
is not the Greenville that I know today. You have all of these international manufacturers of automobiles who are there. So you have the automobile industry. You've got big educational institutions there. You've got tourism in the low country. You have got a lot in South Carolina. You've got agriculture. There's just so much there. But there's pushback. Uh, New Hampshire is saying, look, it is codified in our laws that we are going to be the first in the nation. And Iowa said, uh-uh, don't forget about me. You need the agriculturalist, and I don't know what you're talking about. And But Biden is saying, look, blacks are the backbone of the party. They delivered this victory to me. And, um, and we need to have a more diverse showing because the first in the nation helps to shape the race in such a big way. What are your thoughts about this? Well, there's no question that uh, South Carolina is being rewarded for uh, essentially saving the Biden candidacy uh, in uh, 2020. Um, he lost in uh, Iowa, and uh, in fact, Iowa is such a mess that he didn't produce results. Uh, lost in New Hampshire and uh, really looked like he was going to be out of it. Um, and then one big in South Carolina, and it turned his, his uh, campaign around. So in many ways, this elevation of the South Carolina primary from third in the nation uh, to first is a reward for that uh, from Biden. And, of course, with him uh, committed thus far to running again uh, in 2024, uh, putting South Carolina first uh, certainly would give him a, a leg up on anybody else, although I don't think anybody's going to challenge him if he actually decides to run. Hmm. I mean, but what about changing this calendar? I mean, what will that signal? I mean, do you think that this is called for? I mean, because not only would South Carolina be moved up, they're looking at Michigan, they're looking at Nevada. I mean, they're looking at really having a more diverse slate uh, moved right. into well, place you know, as opposed to the traditional. Well, not. It's, but this has not been. You know, this has not been. You know, uh, I guess chiseled in stone. You, Iowa was not always first. New Hampshire was not always first. So, well, I, Iowa traditionally has been the first uh, state and a caucus state, followed by New Hampshire, and then they moved uh, South Carolina and Nevada up to make sure that early on there was a, a greater sense of the diversity of the Democratic Party, since Iowa and New Hampshire are almost nearly white states. No one really has much of a uh, case for Iowa. It's a caucus state. It's been a mess. Uh, the uh, primary was uh, the caucus was stolen from Bernie Sanders by the Clinton people in 2016. In 2020, it was, uh, as I said, it was such a mess that it didn't even produce results for days. Um, and so uh, I think it's pretty hard for Iowa to defend its position anymore, and, and that's a done deal. Uh, the New Hampshire primary, uh, as you said, under, under New Hampshire law, they are intent on being the first primary in the country. Uh, and the Biden proposal would make South Carolina the first uh, in the country. The advantage of South Carolina, obviously, is that it's a diverse state um, the majority of the voters in the Democratic primary are African-American, uh, and so it, it makes the African-American voice very uh, strong in the first primary, if it is the first primary, the first primary in the country. The disadvantage of it is that it's a state that votes 55-40 Republican in every presidential election, so it's, it's not a swing state. It's not one where Democrats are in competitive in the general election. 
and the uh, the constituency, the African American constituency, is uh, older, rural, small city, uh, and it tends to be uh, much more conservative than uh, much of the African American community and urban communities around the country. So. Uh, there's an argument that says, uh, yeah, it's, it's a black vote, but it's not uh, exactly a representative black vote of the new young generation that's uh, you know, rising around the country. But you know, but there's also the argument that, okay, John McCain, I mean, he was a locomotive when he was running. And then he hit a wall called uh, George W. Bush. <laughs> right. And, you know, South Carolina can it can build you and it can break you. I mean, in this case, it it not. I mean, it didn't just it it just rebooted the Biden campaign because up right up to that point, people were asking him to get out the campaign. Let's not forget that. And the black vote did save him. But I think this is about much more than the black vote. I mean, because, you know, it's an agricultural state. It's a manufacturing state, educational state. They have the defense industry. They've got a lot there. They even have tourism, you know, down in Charleston in the low country going toward um, going toward Georgia. Um, is it time to move the calendar around, Bob Borisage? I don't have any problem with moving the calendar around, and certainly displacing Iowa makes a lot of sense. Uh, I do think if you were going to choose a a state in, which was diverse and had a large African-American population, I would elevate Georgia. Georgia is a swing state. Democrats have been winning it you know, by a bare margin. Today there's a runoff in it that's incredibly important. Uh, and if you live in Georgia or you know someone who lives in Georgia, you should be calling them and making sure they vote today. Um, and, and Georgia makes sense because it because it is such a contested state. Uh, it would be, and it's more urban uh, than South Carolina, and uh, it would be a, a, a real good indicator of an early primary. Uh, but obviously, Georgia was not the state that saved Biden <laughs> four years ago, and so uh, South Carolina is getting the reward. Well, I mean, but does that make sense? I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a state away. I mean, this can't just be about South Carolina and and Biden and and what happened in 2020. Do you think that they would just make that? Do you think that's just this is just a political reward? I mean, that's it? I think this is a real reward to James Clyburn, who saved the Jackson. I mean, the Biden campaign. I think there's no question about that. Hmm. David Daly, New York Times bestselling author of Rat Eft, the true story of the secret plan to steal our democracy and unrigged how Americans are battling back to save our democracy. Of course, senior fellow at Fair Vote. What do you make of this? Um, I mean, not just South Carolina, but my goodness, Nevada, Michigan. I mean, this whole calendar could be reordered. What do you make of it? Is it a good idea? It's a very different what would be the impact? Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, I think I think this discussion has has been right on. Um, Joe Biden left New Hampshire and Iowa effectively left for the dead in 2020. He was he was middle of the pack in New Hampshire, uh, and indeed there were a lot of people saying that uh, his time had come and gone. He was rescued by South Carolina, rescued by Jim Clyburn. Uh, this is certainly a reward for that. When you think about how fractured the Democratic Party was heading into South Carolina 
in 2020, uh, talk of uh, a contested, uh, divided convention, um, uh, Sanders and Buttigieg really at the front after Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, and the uh, race left uh, South Carolina a completely different race. And uh, not long after that, the country was in lockdown and the race was frozen. And mm. and after Super Tuesday, it was it was over. Uh, and and so I I agree that I that the president is unlikely to face a primary challenge in 2024. He says that he is running again. Uh, we see about that, um, but this would radically remake the, the kind of, of presidential field in 2028. It would certainly elevate the the uh, voices of um, black voters in South Carolina, of Latino voters in Nevada, uh, the diverse state that uh, Michigan has really become. Uh, and it would elevate those voices who really are the soul and the base of the party above the white voters in New Hampshire and Iowa who have had the job of sort of culling and sorting the early field now for decades. And it's time to pass that responsibility along. Uh, they will still be at the beginning, uh, but they will not sort of have a monopoly on winnowing down the field in a Democratic Party that has changed very much. And I think those states like to hold on to that, uh, that power and, and, and claim that they are small enough states that it's still a retail experience. I think you all know that South Carolina can still very much be a retail Experience and it is it is it is not necessarily such a large state that it simply turns this into a media and TV contest. Hmm. Everybody, what do you think? Call us at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight seven seven three seven six three WCPT. Should this calendar be changed? I mean, Bob Borisage, you know, you of course having been this great progressive and having come out of the Jackson campaigns. I mean, there was a lot that we saw in the Jackson campaign, as you well know, better than anyone. I think of Frank Watkins today, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. um, how they created Super Tuesday, really, they in the hope, <laughs> or should I say in the hopes, multiple hopes, that Reverend Jackson's candidacy would be ended on Super Tuesday would be ended in the South, and actually, he became the front runner coming out of the South. Um, yeah, it's one of the great ironies of that period. You know, the the right mm-hmm. wing, the corporate wing of the party, the Democratic, what Reverend Jackson called the Democrats for the Leisure Class. Uh, and you did Tuesday, too. <laughs> aligning all the uh, aligning all the Southern states uh, because they thought they would all line up and vote for a, a, conservative, a more conservative white candidate, uh, Sam Nunn or Bill Clinton or one of the DLC leaders. Uh, and the problem was they didn't know how to count. <laughs> so hmm. when Reverend Jackson turned out, uh, registered 7 million people in 84, and then turned out the African-American vote 84 to 88, Super Tuesday became a... Uh, 
a boost, not for the right wing of the party, but for progressives across the country. And uh, it's one of the great ironies of history in some ways. And we're seeing it come to fruition today. I mean, the party that was constructed in in 84 and 88, we're seeing we're seeing it bear fruit today. I mean, where do you want to see the party go? Because we certainly, you know, when you do have these first primaries about Borisage, they do shape, you know, so you come out of New Hampshire and Iowa the front runner. It did help to shape the Obama candidacy, for example. But he did need to win in South Carolina. Otherwise, he would have lost credibility because he couldn't win without the black vote. We over-indexed in our vote in order to put him into the White House. So where should we go from here? I mean, should they move over a state? I mean, is South Carolina not representative enough? Is this, I mean, should this come down to a political chit? Well, I, I certainly agree that, uh, you know, this large, not starting with two really white small states, uh, Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, is very unrepresentative of the party and of the country. And so uh, moving certainly Iowa out of there makes all the sense in the world. Um, the, uh, I I would pump to put Georgia up, not South Carolina, for the reasons I said earlier. Um, And, you know, this country is in desperate need for a uh, a progressive uh, set of policies that deal with the looming problems that we face that now uh, has an economy that doesn't work for most people and uh, is, uh, is really causing great damage across the country. And so what I'm interested in is a primary system that that opens the door for insurgent candidates and doesn't just uh, lay the groundwork for establishment candidates with establishment contacts to to make their way without much challenge. The advantage of Iowa and uh, New Hampshire was that they were small enough and they had a culture of listening to candidates that uh, that, are Reverend Jackson could exceed expectations there, or Bernie Sanders could you know, get propelled out of there and uh, and in a debate in the country that it needed to hear. Um, and uh, so I'm very concerned that as we make these changes, we uh, we keep the possibility of doing that. You know, for Obama, uh, he had to prove that he could speak to. Uh, people in Iowa and white people in Iowa and New Hampshire. And when he did that and shocked people, um, that, you know, gave him a boost to to his candidacy. So, uh, as I said, I think getting, uh, moving Iowa down because the caucus system uh, hasn't worked in in different ways is is very much viable. Um, And moving a diverse state to be first, I think, is incredibly important. Again, I'd prefer Georgia just because I think it'd be more open to insurgent candidates than um, the more conservative voters uh, in South Carolina's uh, Democratic primaries. Mm. David Daly, I'm going to give you the final word here. Got about a minute and a half. I think uh, we should also keep in mind that while the DNC says that they want to do this, they need the help uh, and the approval of uh, of state legislatures in many of these places, who, uh, mm. at least in South Carolina, it, it is the uh, state legislature that's going to effectively run these primaries, uh, and Republicans run the state of South Carolina, and 
the Republican Party has uh, shown zero interest uh, so far in, in changing Iowa and New Hampshire and, 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 and kicking them out. They have, in fact, said that uh, their primaries in 2024 will, as usual, begin in Iowa and New Hampshire. So will some of these states go along with the additional expense of running a Democratic primary and then a Republican primary? How is this going to work? I think there's uh, still a lot left up in the air that we will have to see in the months ahead. You know, it could be a political sleight of hand, um, <laughs> Bob Borsage, because at least the president can say, well, I did try. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <clears throat> Look, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a cynic, but I just wonder, I'm always looking at political calculation. Bob Borsage, I, I got one more minute. <laughs> just, you know, because he can say, I tried, but you know, yeah, the Republicans no wouldn't let me. Right. No question that President Biden wanted to make it clear that he was uh, giving Jim Clyburn a reward and giving the voters of South Carolina a reward for what they did four years ago. Uh, And whether this goes through or not, uh, he's made it clear that he's repaying his political debt. Well, you know, I'm still upset about Bernie from 2020, so still salty. (laughs) Bob Borsage, I'm just I'm telling you, just got to be honest about it. But we'll see. I want to know what your thoughts are, everybody. Call me. Should this calendar be changed? Should it be Georgia, not South Carolina? I don't know. What do you think about the Warnock-Walker race? What do you think? What do you expect tonight? Very quickly, Bob Borsage, what are you thinking is going to happen tonight? I'm hoping that uh, Georgians are sensible and they, uh, they uh, re-elect a really fine senator and uh, do not pick uh, somebody who is clearly unfit to be in office. Hmm. Dave Daly? Judges. It's all about judges. This race is about the U.S. Supreme Court in so many ways. Democrats are going to hold the Senate after tonight no matter what. The difference between a 51-49 Senate and a 50-50 Senate is the ability to fill the federal bench after Republicans have spent years stacking it with young conservatives. It's the difference between potentially if there's an opening on the U.S. Supreme Court in the next two years while there's a Democratic president and a Democratic Senate. It is the ability to get judges on the bench and as we have seen in the Dobbs case and so many others, that's where so much of the future of this country's policy is going to be decided. Vote, 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 vote. Get everybody to vote in Georgia. Let's talk about the vote in Georgia. And let's talk about South Carolina and um, this changing oh, this changing political landscape. Oh, boy, this is exciting stuff. I'm Santita Jackson. Stay right here. Back in just a few minutes. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, hey. It is Election Day, Tuesday, December 6, 2022. 
I am Santita Jackson, coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. Used to be Air America, but now we're WCPT, the Heartland Signal, AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. And I'm Daryl Jones uh, from the Transformative Justice Coalition, who's been touring the South, said, you know, throughout the South, people have been coming to him saying, I listened to you on the Santita Jackson show. So for all the people who are listening to us far and wide, Carol out there in Beverly Hills and Linear Bob up there in Canada and Daryl and all of our people, Shirley from Philadelphia, our people in Georgia, our people in, well, in the rest of Pennsylvania and from all over. I want to thank you so much for your support and just please continue to keep us in your prayers and let people know about the show. Everybody who is watching us today, we've had a little trouble trying to stay up, but you know, we're still here. want you to go to, uh, please like and share. Everybody like and share, like and share. And please call us and let us know what you think about what's going to happen today down in Georgia. Call us at 773-763-9278. But we're also bringing out uh, what's happening in uh, this reset that is being proposed in these uh, in the primary structure. Will New Hampshire and Iowa be the first? Uh, well, you know, David Daly, New York Times bestselling author, senior fellow at FairVote, said, you know, President Biden can make this recommendation. Okay, Bob Borisaj, yeah, it is a political shit. That having been said, the state legislatures are the ones who make the call. And most of the state legislatures in the United States today, uh, because of Republican plans, are Republican. Think about that. So, you know, President Biden can say, well, I tried. Okay, so we're going to see how all of this is going to work. But what do you think? I mean, there has been this big hullabaloo about South Carolina. It's the black primary. But there's so much more to South Carolina than the racial dynamic. It's a manufacturing state. It's an educational state. It's a tourism state. Um, There is so much that is there. So we're going to be talking about that along with the discussion about this race today. Call me at 773-763-9278. So let's get to some of these headlines. In Chicago, we'll have a high of 44 degrees today. It will be rainy. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, 27 degrees, mostly sunny. In the NFL, what about Tom Brady? He's extraordinary. In the last, what, three minutes of the game, he uh, made up the deficit (laughs) and took the Buccaneers over the top, 17 to 16, allowing them to stay tops in their division. In the NBA, both Chicago and Minnesota's teams got a bit of a break. In the NHL, Chicago will be playing the Devils. They need to both change their names of these teams. The Blackhawks, I don't even call their name, except for now. And the Devils, ugh, come on, you guys. Dedicating the show to one of my favorite actresses, Kirstie Alley, who made her transition. Shocking. Just 71 years of age, so full of life, Emmy Award winning actress, Golden Globe winning actress, iconic on Cheers. She made her transition. No one knew that she had this private battle with cancer. Sending love to her two children and thanking God for this great, great woman who gave us so much joy down through the years. It is the day that we've been waiting for. Herschel Walker, Senator Raphael Warnock, who you got, everybody? Call me at 773-763-9278. They're expected to be a tight race. Uh, Democrats voted early. Republicans are supposed to be voting today. We're going to see what's going to happen, everybody. Mauna Loa, the, vo- the volcano in Hawaii, will it reach 
a critical highway? That is the question today as it explodes. Conservative members of the Supreme Court appear to side with a graphic designer who doesn't want to work with same-sex couples on their wedding websites. Indeed, uh, Justice Alito even made a joke about a black Santa. Hmm, can't make this stuff up. Ten countries with the best, with the least paid vacation. Did you know the United States is number two? And guess what? The United States is the only so-called developing nation that does not have statutory statutory paid leave. And um, 10,000 people have signed an open letter demanding that President Biden order paid sick leave for rail workers who still do not have it. And as we look at this supply chain uh, challenge, this crisis that we're facing, you couldn't get baby formula, all kinds of food, all kinds of things that you need to live from every from day to day. Well, guess what? According to a report, the U.S. base, base group Win Without War said that our economy prior to prioritizes profits over people. And their evidence is that the only thing, the only industry that was not disrupted by these by the supply chain problem is, drum roll please, the gun industry. Global arms sales were up and they got delivered. You can't make this stuff up. And those are the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, I want you to reach out to Team Hawkberg if you need financial freedom, if you need to get a credit card, if you need to bring down your credit card debt, if you need to buy a house, if you want to buy a house or an apartment building, you can do it, but you need a plan and you need advocates. Team Hawkberg. That's what they do. And I want you to reach out to them at 855-56-DAVID or go to 56david.com and get a free consultation. Let them know what you're dealing with. If you've got credit card debt like Tom and Sonia, they had 17 credit cards, $100,000 of balances on those credit cards. They were barely holding on to their home. Well, guess what? They reached out to Team Hochberg. They got a free consultation. Team Hochberg then went to bat for them with the credit card companies and brought down their credit card payments by over $2,800, saving them massive amounts of money. And not only did they save them their credit cards, they saved their home. That could be you, everybody. So many people are struggling. So many people are struggling. They helped them to get an FHA loan. They helped them to hold on to their homes. That could be you. In fact, it is you. So call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or visit them at 56david.com so that you can get what it is that you need. But Kevin Gray, we got a lot going on in the South today. Of course, he's the former president of the ACLU of South Carolina. And, of course, we have got a brilliant investigative reporter, uh, Greg Palaston, with us again today. We're talking about South Carolina. We're also talking about Georgia. Every, everybody has Georgia on their mind. But I want to find out from you. First, we were talking with Bob Borsage, who you know, Reverend Jackson's issues director from the 1988 campaign. And, of course, one of the icons in the progressive space. And David Daly, New York Times bestselling author, uh, rat effed and unrigged. And his, of course, he's a senior fellow at Fair Vote. Um, Bob Borsage said, you know, yeah, moving the calendar around, yeah, but South Carolina should not be it necessarily. Maybe Georgia. That's more representative of the nation, and it's a more winnable state for Democrats. What say you? Well, Democrats, they, they like to spend a lot of money. That apparently, if they're talking about Georgia, and if you're looking at the amount of money that was spent just in uh, the senatorial race in Georgia, both uh, with the uh, general and with the runoff, 
I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, wow, you could do a whole lot of money with a whole lot of things with all the money they spend in Georgia. Um, but looking at South Carolina as a first state, uh, like a lot of observers have said, it's not an expensive state to to uh, buy ads in. It's not an expensive state to organize in. It's small. Uh, you can do retail politics here easier. Um, you know, fundamentally or, or uh, ideologically, South Carolina is the state that first seceded from the Union. It's the ideological home of white supremacy. So you can make a lot of points about race and where our country has been and where it's going. Um, you know, if if it's a primary where um, there are where Biden has com- has a competition, that will make it interesting. If it's just Biden, then pretty much he wants the Clyburn black rubber stamp. And um, I don't know how cool I would be with that, but you know, I, I think that South Carolina is a good place to start campaigning versus an Iowa, which is predominantly white. South Carolina is one third black. If we look at the um, population of the country as a whole, and the, the black and uh, the black population, then you know it's obvious that campaigning in South Carolina, you have a more diverse population to draw from. And then, if you're talking about changing the nature of politics in this country, you have to start in the South. You have to have a strategy beyond the presidential elections. Uh, you have to have a plan to take over state legislatures and have an impact on state legislatures and changing the nature of politics. So, you know, just from, you know, from a looking at it for me, like it was a laboratory uh, for what we might be able to accomplish in the future. I think South Carolina is a good place to start. Mm, So what do you think is going to, I mean, we've we've watched the, oh boy. I mean, you, uh, Explain what happened in 84 and 88 in South Carolina, and because you came out of the 84 campaign in South Carolina, which Reverend, it was shocking how well he did that he won, um, and that he won Mississippi. It was just people were just shocked. Even those of us inside of the campaign were. I mean, what you came out of South Carolina saying what? You know, you saw that we could win and win big in 88. And it took four years of organizing. That's the thing. I mean, in 88, South Carolina was a caucus state, and of course, they went to a primary after 88 because of (laughs) And because of the organizing that we did, they didn't think that we were smart enough to organize enough people to turn out for a caucus caucus on a particular day at a particular time. But it took four years of organizing and identifying people by name, uh, by neighborhood, by city, um, I mean, really, the hardcore um, leather, whether it's a shoe leather, campaigning and door knocking and knowing who was going to be at those meetings. I mean, we knew we had to have twenty-five to 35,000 people in those meetings on that Saturday, and that took a lot of doing. Um, so, you know, I, I favor the primary because it gets more people involved, but a caucus... Um, especially back in 84, at least, we identified and knew the political actors in each community. And, uh, and that, that was valuable, and that remains valuable. After the primary, some of those voices um, that we organized in 88 and 84 kind of became nullified because, because of the primary and then the money came in. 
I mean, when we did it in 84 and 88, as Reverend used to say, I, I remember Reverend telling me in a car, I appreciate you operating under these no-money conditions, uh, <laughs> which we did. So, but, you know, it, it, you, it takes organizing for a caucus. Um, primaries, it takes money. But, um, mm. you know, I, 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 I steadfastly believe that, believe that we have to go back to some some way of reconnecting with communities in different ways and doing the grassroots organizing. And, um, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in just organizing between political campaign cycles that you have to do it constantly. Um, but I, back there again, I think South Carolina, because it's a small state, you know, we got four million people because you can travel around the state. You can go anywhere in the state from Columbia within two hours. Columbia's at the center of the state. And, it, and um, you know, it, it gives people a chance to, to raise issues, uh, to raise issues of, of uh, poor and marginalized people, to raise issues of the black community in a coherent way, I think. Hmm. We're talking with Kevin Gray, former president of the ACLU of South Carolina. Indeed, he was the manager of the Jackson campaigns in 84 and 88 um, and organized, organized, organized and made a lot of history. And he understands politics and really understands what's happening in the South. Before we pivot over to you, Greg Palast, uh, who you see Warnock in trouble for his because his vital mail in vote, you said, was virtually eliminated. That is shocking. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? out of Georgia, uh, uh, Kevin Gray. Kevin? Uh, what am I hearing out of Georgia? Mm-hmm. What are you expecting well, uh, tonight? Well, you know, I expect one to pull it off. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that, um, I don't think that he's going to get the white vote that he thinks he's going to get. I think people mm-hmm. are embarrassed by him. Um, the comment that um, Dave Chappelle made on Saturday Night Live, I think it, it holds water, that that um, Herschel is observably stupid. And um, and with all the, uh, the, the questions about his residency, about his relationship with his children, with his uh, with with women in the past, I think I think that's going to be that's going to hurt him. And I think that black voters are going to come out because they don't want because he's an embarrassment to black people. And, and, and I think that that's a motivator. So I'm, I'm thinking that there's going to be a Warnock victory. And, um, you know, all we can do is cross our fingers and, and wait for the count to come in this evening. Well, you know, we'll have to see, because I, I got some very disturbing data from, from uh, of the producer and, and the director and the writer of the movie, um, well, not the director, but he certainly this he conceived of this movie Vigilante. Vigilante, everybody, go to vigilantemovie dot com. You can see it. Thank you, Jamie Fox, for enabling people to see it without cost uh, through today. Uh, you said Warnock is in trouble. His mail in vote was virtually eliminated. We are not hearing that. What do you mean? Mail in ballots fell by eighty three percent. Are you serious? Oh yes. Oh, by the way, the good news is this is Greg Palast. Um, and yeah, you get the, the, all the data at gregpalace.com. But if you go to vigilantemovie.com, the good news is it was specifically because of your request I was able to get the producers to agree to, um, the, the executive producers. We have Martin Sheen, we have, uh, George DiCaprio, 
DiCaprio family, they have been able, uh, who are the executive producers of the film. Uh, so Hollywood has said, yes, you may keep the film up for free through the through this weekend. So we got all week to watch it. Don't wait too long because then it's gone. Can't even buy it or store. You know, you, you can't purchase a stream or watch it on Netflix. Not yet. Anyway, so go to VigilanteMovie.com. And uh, there will be you can get it for no charge, VigilanteMovie.com. But, yes, what's happening is Jim Crow is really on the ballot here. You had uh, two years ago when Reverend Warnock won the Senate seat with John Ossoff and Biden won the presidential race. But in that runoff race, Reverend Warnock won uh, won. 734,000 Georgia votes. He slammed the mail-in vote in the runoff by two and a half to one. It was a crush. He picked up almost a half million vote plurality in that early voting, uh, in in the mail-in voting. So what the Republican Party did is they passed this law, SB 202, and the mail-in voting is now crushed down by over 90%. It's just a fraction. There have been only about 150,000 mail-in ballots received back um, and uh, only a couple hundred thousand requested because it's almost impossible to vote by mail. This was done deliberately because they know that that's Reverend Reverend Warnock, Senator Warnock's base. So um, they simply said, okay, he, if he wins through the mail-in vote, and he only won that election, that runoff election, by less than 100,000 votes out of 4 million votes. And so they said, well, let's take away his mail-in vote. They, uh, they crushed yeah. Wait, wait, Kevin, what, what did you say, Kevin? Yeah. Let me yeah, ask Kevin. you a question, because this morning I looked at, I was watching uh, the projections, and they were saying that uh, the, the early voting was up yes. with, on the Warnock side from 22% to 35 36%. So does that, will that equalize the, um, the uh, assault on the mail-in votings? Uh, yeah, it definitely people are making it up. So what's happening is you can't mail in your ballot because they crushed the, the uh, time from 60 days to 28 days. Not really enough time for the counties to print, to send out, receive back, the mail-in ballots. So what happened is that people got into those lines to vote. Um, and that's the good news. When you see, if you go to greatpalace.com, you'll see this uh, photo, uh, this little video of me going along the line. It goes on and on and on and on. So we could get it in uh, on camera. We had to like, uh, do kind of a cartoon speed up. Those lines were two to three hours long in every single Atlanta early voting station. So it's amazing. So yeah, so people said, I know I can't mail in my ballot. The voting rights groups were saying, you know, don't, you know, don't mail in your ballot if you can come in. You know, obviously, absentee voters from out of state are still short. Um, and uh, so, yes, it's not even a matter whether Warnock can make it up. The way I look at it, can democracy make it up? When you take away people's opportunity to vote, including mail-in voters like my daughter, the student uh, in Savannah, who, uh, who is now home for um, for uh, Christmas vacation. And, um, you know, so these schools are closed, so a lot of the students are missing. So hopefully people will be able to come in and uh, in person today. Unfortunately, at this moment, it's raining. So 
again, will democracy prevail here? It's not even the candidate. If democracy prevails, Warnock's walking back to Washington. It's not even a question. When you look at the polls, he's way ahead. The question is, will they allow uh, voters of color uh, to vote? That's always the issue in Georgia. Well, you know, and I mean, and that has always been the point. You know, the fact is, America, we make America, black people in our struggle has made America move toward democracy. Uh, it is black people in this struggle and our movement that has moved us away from this right wing inclination that the country out of which it was born. I mean, so the question is, will it prevail? I mean, prevail, will it will it appear? Because we act as if we've, we've had democracy, and we haven't. We haven't. We've been trying to move toward it, and we keep getting pushed back, and we keep pushing back, we keep pushing forward. But Greg Palast, you know, you know mm-hmm. better than anyone, that America has, uh, the democracy is something that, we, it's, a, it's an ambition. It has not been a reality, and we have to continue to push to make that a reality. Stay with me, everybody. John Nichols is going to join us. What do you think about what's going to happen in Georgia? What do you think about that, everybody? What will happen? Uh, These mail-in ballots fell by 83%. But then we also broke records in terms of in-person voting. So we'll have to see, will the in-person voting mitigate that? And will people get out and vote today? It's going to be raining in Georgia. Just get out and vote, everybody. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Let's talk about Georgia today, everybody. Georgia's on our minds. What's going to happen down there? What's going to happen down there? Will uh, Raphael Warnock, Warnock prevail? Will Herschel Walker be able to... Squeeze on through. We just got this information from Greg Palast, who's with us today. Of course, you can see Vigilante Movie, the Vigilante the Movie. Go to VigilanteMovie.com or go to GregPalast.com so that you can see it without charge. It's That's right. Jamie Foxx has made that possible. Um, everybody, go see it today uh, because you need to. But we're seeing that the mail-in ballots were virtually eliminated in the selection, falling off by 83%. Absolutely stunning. We welcome, of course, to the show a segment that belongs to him, which is, of course, John Nichols. Every Tuesday, he's with us at the bottom of the hour. And then we were able to corral um, Texas Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis, who's campaigning. Everybody's in Georgia. Everybody except me today. I'm so sad. But, you know, Greg, very quickly, before I bring on John, I want, I don't know if John knows this, but this is stunning information that you've been able to present to us about the mail-in ballots. What happened? Well, okay, again, we get this from the Secretary of State's office. We had to uh, go into court with the head of the NAACP, Gerald Griggs, and open up their files, but we have it. Uh, We have an 83% drop in the mail-in balloting from two years ago, and now that was now in the runoff, it looks like the drop-off is going to be 90% plus. And why? Because they have a because of SB 202 passed by the the vigil, voter vigilante in chief um, 
uh, signed by the vigilante chief Brian Kemp, the Republican governor, who, by the way, there's an op-ed yesterday in the New York Times saying he ought to be president. The Wall Street Mm -hmm. Journal has already endorsed him for president of the United States. You know, they attack. This is funny. He attacked Stacey Abrams for saying she had presidential ambition. He's already begun his presidential campaign. But what they well, she's did not was supposed to have presidential mm-hmm. ambitions. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> so it, the, the key is that uh, several things. One, the drop boxes were, dro- were reduced from 107 two years ago to just 25 today in the entire Atlanta area. By law, only you can only have one mail-in drop box per 100,000 active voters. That affects only, only Atlanta. Then the law required the Southern Georgia white counties, required them to increase drop box availability. Massive change in availability of drop boxes, shift based in effect, ripping out the drop boxes from uh, black majority Atlanta counties to the white majority counties. And then they crushed the, the number of days of uh, early voting. One of the reasons you see those long lines is that we went from 17 days of early voting to seven. And so, of course, you, you cut it by way more than half. So, of course, the lines are now doubling. And the rain, which I'm sitting here in the rain right now, um, the, the problem with the rain is that, you know, uh, when you have to wait two and a half, three hours in line, outside in the rain, a lot of people bring their kids. Because they have no choice. School's out right now. So you have to, you know, a lot of people are bringing their kids standing two hours in the rain. But when I say standing two hours in the rain, that is solely and only in Atlanta. We have online the wait times from around the state. You have two hours in, in every polling station in Atlanta. But then you have outside of Atlanta 10 minutes, 30 minutes. And what happens is in the 10-minute wait, you are inside those buildings, those government buildings and the libraries in those areas. So basically, I'm going to make it clear. White people have a nice, comfy, warm place to stand and vote, quick in and out. African-Americans and the, and the people in, here in Atlanta, the progressives that have come down, um, they're standing in the rain. You like that? Mm. I mean, this is, it's cruel. It's crazy. This is what they are doing. I mean, they were literally... You know, this type of so what's happening is they also, you know, they crush the amount of early voting time, et cetera. So they make the lines impossibly crazy long in Atlanta and people stand in the rain and go down to Forsyth County. Uh, for those who don't know a uh, place like Forsyth, it's called a sundown. Uh, that area is called uh, sundown town. Mm-hmm. That means that African-Americans used to be by law. Now it's just because people aren't insane. Black people aren't on the streets after dark because it's dangerous for them. This is this is Georgia. You leave Atlanta, go 50 miles outside of Atlanta and you go 50 miles, 50 years back in time. It's hard for people who don't live in Atlanta to understand that this is still an apartheid state and that affects the voting. But I have to say the people of Atlanta, African-American students, Asian-Americans, a big group. They're saying we'll stand in the rain. We will stand in the line. And, of course, can't give them any food, can't give them any water. If they're two hours, stand there in the rain. You got a little kid. No. You, give, you give someone's child a glass, a, a, a bottle of water, a cup of milk. That's a felony crime in Georgia. They know what they're doing. 
Of course. It's all since Reverend, which is why Greg elected two years ago, which, which is why when there's a, a Democratic majority in the House and Senate, they ought to be talking about reinstating preclearance in the Voting Rights Act mm-hmm. and doing something oh, yeah. for, to protect the rights of people in the South, in particular black and people, black people and people of color. Which, which brings me to you, John Nichols, and, and, and then, of course, to Rodney Ellis, you know, as a as county commissioner of one of the largest counties, one of the largest governments, not just in the United States, technically in the world. Uh, John Nichols, I mean, it all, virtually eliminating mail-in, the mail-in vote, that's just, it's so disturbing, John. I mean, and that's why we've been pushing for an executive action on voting rights. Yeah, because we need that, John. Look at this. Yeah, of course. And it's but you see, it's too late today, right? Yeah. All of this, all of this is important now, and so such important reporting from Greg and others. But it's election day, and so the focus on election day, as Reverend Jackson always taught us, is that uh, we don't we don't analyze the election on the day of the election. We tell people you can still change the course of history. And this is the vital message on, on this day. As Greg says, the weather has not been generous. And the policymakers have been uh, horrific in, in their actions and in their clearly discriminatory approaches to all this. And yet, people are going to vote. And as Greg mentioned very wisely, um, people are excited to vote. There's an energy level there. It is going to be tough. It is hard. There is no question of that. But there is also no question that Reverend Raphael Warnock can win this election. Absolutely no question that he can win this election. The only thing that matters now is going out and doing those votes. And Mm. folks in Georgia, the the reports are that they're doing it, um, as difficult as it is. And uh, what we have to do on a day like this, and I'm sure that Commissioner Ellis would would echo this, is to make sure that, that people know they can vote. And that if they run into trouble trying to vote, that there's someone there to, to help them get get to that polling place. I always recount a story uh, told to me by a, a longtime voting rights activist in Georgia a couple of years ago. And she was down there uh, in the previous runoff, the runoff that, that, by the way, people should be aware, Georgia runoffs changed American history. The runoff that gave Democrats control of the United States Senate two years ago, a little less than two years ago, with the election of John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock, she was outside a polling place uh, in a college, in a smaller college town. Uh, and it was a predominantly black student body. And she was talking to folks who were going in and coming out. And a young young man came out, and and he was clearly looked disappointed. And uh, she said, what's wrong? And he said, well, they, they wouldn't let me vote. They told me my registration is you know, not here. It's, it's down where I, where I grew up with my mom. And, and she said, well, where, where did you grow up? And he said, yeah, about 75, 80 miles from here, you know, like not too far away. And she said, give me your cell phone. You got your mom's number on it? And the young man said, well, yeah. And he, he said, call your mother and then hand me the phone. He did. She took the phone and said, let's say, Mrs. Smith, you know, they're not letting your son vote up here at his college. You need to come and pick him up, drive him home, make sure that he gets the vote, and then you need to feed him a great dinner and you drive him back so he can 
study after tomorrow's tests and exams. And that mother said, you bet I will. He got in her car, got her son, he got to vote. And she did that throughout the day there. And they got people to vote. It was terribly difficult. There is nothing right about this. It's not, it's not proper. It's not decent. It's not appropriate that people have to go through all of these hoops and all these challenges to vote. And yet the fundamental reality is that that young man, that woman who helped him, his mother, they all made it real. They made it possible to cast those ballots, and they changed the course of American history. They elected two Democrats to the Senate, gave Democrats control of the Senate, gave President, Bi- President Biden the ability to govern. And so at some fundamental level, what we have to understand today is today is the day where, as and I think listening to what Greg has said and what uh, other folks have said, today's the day you get angry. You get angry enough to push through whatever is in your way and to make sure that you can cast your ballot. Because if Georgia does the right thing today, and I believe Georgia will, then we see a 51-49 Senate. The power-sharing agreements are tossed aside. The committee makeups uh, are clearly in the hands of the Democrats. And Joe Manchin, while not disempowered, has less ability to direct the Senate. And so at some fundamental level, everything comes down to Georgia today and everything comes down to the people who decide that they're not going to let anything get in the way of their voting. Hmm. Texas Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis, what do you see? I mean, how do you eliminate what 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 an executive order on on voting rights? Would that have made a difference as we look at this massive drop off in the mail in vote? Santina, it would only help. My sense is if an executive order could really do that much, the courts would probably have, have struck it down. Uh, you know, I wanted to come over to Atlanta. I'll give you a listener's little history lesson. About 81, I think, I came to Atlanta when I was working on Capitol Hill. Shirley Chisholm was in the last term in Congress. You only had two black members of Congress in the South. Harold Ford Sr. out of Memphis, Mickey Leland out of Houston. Did not have a black congressman in uh, Georgia. Um, when Andy Young went to President Carter's cabinet, White Fowler replaced mm-hmm. him. John Lewis was running for city council. Uh, Maynard Jackson couldn't run for me. Andy was running. That's where I met your dad, by the way. Came here. Maxine Waters was assemblywoman uh, then. And then I just I think about how Tom Bradley was gearing up is mayor of Los Angeles, to run for governor. You know, the Harold Washington race in Chicago, which prompted your dad to run for president. Now, here we are 40 years, 41 years later, you know, Warnock running. Stacey Abrams should have won. Think about it. If she had run for the Senate instead of encouraging him to run, she would have been there. But she did the right. She did a great thing encouraging him to run. So, look, even people have to stand in lines on this jury day. Uh, for me, coming from Houston, not only is it raining in the, in Atlanta, Georgia, it's cold to me. <laughs> so, you know, people whose ancestors had to say how many bubbles were coming from a bar of soap, how many jelly beans in a jelly jar, now do have the inconvenience, which pales in comparison. They have the inconvenience of having to stand in the cold and the rain. I hope they do it. Oh, Gene Duffy. I called him when I was trying to decide whether not to fly over here last night. Duffy said that polling indicates 53%, and then he pointed out how so many polls are wrong. 
it'll all depend on who shows up. Uh, obviously, uh, early voting initially was for non-voters of color. And then when we got into it and learned it, they changed the rules. Drop-off boxes were initially for other people. And once, you know, our campaign tactics perfected it, they changed it. By the way, uh, you know, the driver's like motor voter was additionally for people not of color to register to vote. And then once we learned how to do it, they changed the law on it. Once the, the courts extended it, saying, well, not only when you get a driver's license, how about when you sign up for benefits? You know, any government officer, then they change the rules. So we got to overcome all of that. Greg, I saw some of your movies when I got up this morning. You know, since I, what I do, gained an hour, lost an hour. It's an hour later here, so I, you know, I had a little longer than one extra hour, and I watched the trailer. I hope to see that movie uh, later today, but if not, I'll pay and see it later on in the week. Uh, but look, I, I hope something comes out of Georgia. Very positive, mm. and it's so important because, as uh, you all said earlier, we need federal voting rights protections. We need it in Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, California, by the way, at some point. Certain regions, certain counties in California will try to do crazy stuff. And these legislatures, by the way, I'm afraid the Texas legislature will go back in power and try to take away our ability to run elections on a local level. And they may do that in Georgia. Uh, you know, it's scary times. We need... This extra seat in the U.S. and then we need to make sure we get strong, uh, financially sound candidates to run two years from now. Because hopefully we can get the House back and we can get that 52nd seat in the Senate. So neither cinema nor mansion will have the influence they have now. I mean, John Nichols, what's the path forward? Well, the path forward is is to vote, vote, vote today. It's not not a complicated thing. This is, uh, you know, I I I remember, and, and as Commissioner Ellis uh, wisely recalls, um, that we are coming up on the 40th anniversary. If we can believe it, we got to pause and think about it, the 40th anniversary of Harold Washington's victory in Chicago, the transformational victory that told us everything that was possible going forward uh, that really did inspire your father to run for president. No, no, wait, no, wait, 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 let me, let me, let me just give you that. Yeah. We had to push him to run because he was I not. Know. Well, no, 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 I mean, no, no, because, no, I think, because that's, that's, no, no, but no, but that's no, but that doesn't diminish him. You no. know, he was someone who came out of the machine who'd been kicked out the machine and he'd been put in the political wilderness. And uh, I know black I people brought him back. I, I, re, I recall when he was having those meetings, you know, I was Mickey's chief of staff. He was yes. trying to push Maynard. See, Dolores Tucker's name came up. Yes. Should Ms. Chisholm run again? Should Bradley run? I mean, Reverend Jackson was pushing anybody. Look, they were talking about, well, Dutch Mario, should you do it? Andy Young, should you do it? And then when nobody else should do it, that's when your daddy had that. That classic line, he said, you know, they were talking about what does Jesse want? Jesse had, had this great line. He said, if I run, I might lose. If I don't run, we do lose. But no, he was clearly drafted because nobody else would do it. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that's all I'm saying, John. I mean, because we remember that because well, Reverend said I, other people were more electable. Than he, so he was like, no, 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 because no. he had been he had been Carter's chief surrogate in 1980. That's how unpopular Jimmy Carter was. He said, so mm-hmm. I'm not a run. We know how to do this, and 
Harold Washington looked at Reverend like he was crazy. He was like, I'm not going to run for mayor of Chicago. What? He's now I'm a congressman now. I'm good. <laughs> so we have to. Remember. You remember? You remember how Congressman Washington had all those issues going back when he was in the Senate. Remember his birthday is April 15th, and he had that the tax issue. Yes, you know, and all of that that's would right. come up in the mayor's race, and it did. Hey, and thank God in Illinois, Chicago, they didn't have that runoff like we have in the South. Like Warnock, oh, well, they did through here. Yeah, but Commissioner, Commissioner, this is this brings us back to what I was trying to say here, and the most important thing, and that is that in that 1983 race in Chicago, um, they had a Democratic primary, but then yeah. a huge portion of Democrats went over and voted for the Republican in the general yeah. election. So yeah. both those elections were close. Both those elections were difficult. And what I want to just emphasize as we talk about Georgia today, as we recall and understand what's going on in Georgia, is the weather wasn't all that great in the in the winter of 1983 and in the early spring of 1983. Those were, those were tough days in Chicago. I was down there. I remember, and I know Santita does, that it, was, it was snow and cold and frigid weather and wind. And, and I saw people coming out to vote on those days, on those horrible days, those very, very difficult days, because they knew how much it mattered if Harold Washington were to win that, that race for mayor. And look, you remember, what's his name, Old Johnson, the, the Cadillac dealer Johnson? Al Johnson, that's that right. registration campaign. Was it Al Johnson, right? Uh, Al Johnson oh, no, and, 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 well, and, and really led by um, Ed Gardner from Soft Sheen. Remember, yeah. he put so much money yeah. into it. Yeah. And look, I'm from yeah. Houston, so well, it's always the weather's always bad to me in Chicago in the winter. Look, that's <laughs> you like know what? We're gonna put the of the day. Uh, Jewel like put him on mute. Me. Look, this is like snow to me over here. What is it over here? Forty-seven degrees. Oh, <laughs> it was yeah. it was sixty. It was sixty-nine when I got on the plane last night. Houston. Oh my gosh, uh, John, we're uh, hailing hearty Midwesterners. I'm lead that low. This, <laughs> this man doesn't know what he's doing. You know, goodness gracious, he's <laughs> hey, my people from close. To the equator. <laughs> oh, I know you didn't pull that card. I'm leave that one alone. I have a bad joke, but I'm not going to say it. You know what? You guys, are, you all, you all aren't so cold right. Up there. I ain't going to say it. That's why. You, that's why slavery lasted so long because it's so cold up in Chicago. Oh yeah, wait. Oh, but we don't. Hey, don't go there. In Texas, we celebrate Juneteenth. We got our free. I know y'all are. It's late. They wouldn't even tell you that you were free. I got to remind him. I got to remind him. He signed it on January the first. That's what Emancipation <laughs> Proclamation. Hey, but they didn't get the word. They didn't. They didn't want to tell anybody in Texas. Oh my gosh, Greg Palast, We got to get people to see this wonderful movie, John Nichols, that he has. Do you know? And John, we got to put the word out because you can see it without without paying for it because of the generosity of Jamie Foxx. Vigilante, I mean, and he's given us this information today that this that the mail in uh, mail in ballots have been virtually virtually eliminated because of the machinations and the laws passed, the codification by uh, Brian Kemp and the Republicans in Georgia. And they're doing this all over the country. They're doing this all over the country because they have overtaken the legislatures. Well, the movie is so powerful, by the way. I love the trailer with the music. You got me? And the way you do the flashback to Jim Crow and what we have come through, it really is. When you just think of how, I guess you call it uh, Jim Crow 2.0, how they put on different suits, you know, more more yeah. contemporary suits, but the same crowd. 
they ought to just put the hoods on their heads because it's just it's the same tactics repeating. Well, you know, John, did you? I, I mean, the, I mean uh, because Commissioner Ellis and yeah. and um, and John and and Kevin, he was almost shot in this woman's house in this lovely southern woman's house. <laughs> lovely southern Who was she? woman. So when she was putting you out of the house in the trailer, who was she? <laughs> Right. So uh, just so people know, this is the film Vigilante, George's Vote Suppression Hitman. And, you know, uh, again, we've shown it in Minneapolis and Chicago. And and now, thanks to uh, uh, Commissioner Ellis, we'll be showing it in Texas. So you can see it now. By the way, this week is sponsored by the DiCaprio family. Uh, George DiCaprio being executive producer and Leonardo has been promoting the film. It's a movie, so uh, they will pay for the, the ticket. You pay for the popcorn. And now it's been extended for free through the weekend, from today through the weekend, because we know that in a way George is going to continue. This vote count might continue for several days. It's going to be very, very close. So go to VigilanteMovie.com. Bring your popcorn. You get a link. You watch the movie. And, and as the people watching can tell you, it is a movie, so it is entertainment. But it, it's some of it's very funny and crazy, like this this uh, woman who challenged thirty this uh, Republican. And it's important to understand. I'm not being partisan, but every single person who's challenging another voter in Georgia, you have this crazy system in Georgia where you personally, not the state, can challenge another voter. They've challenged uh, so far this year 149,000 people. The film has made a difference because some of the elections officials have seen it and they're saying we're not accepting these challenges. But it's going to be tight because, well, I know that you said that, well, Dave Chappelle said, oh, Herschel Walker, he, he, you can read stupid on his face. But that's not the point. It is close because I was just down in Coffee County where you, you come into the county and you're surrounded by Confederate flags, statues to the Confederate soldiers. You are stepping back 100 years in these counties and um, they are voting you have this evangelical right that is voting solid for Herschel Walker because they call him the imperfect vessel. Okay, he may be paying for abortion. He may be beating women. But he is he is um, the vessel, the imperfect vessel of the Lord's will. And I'm sorry. I like to listen to Reverend Jackson. I think he has a, he, I think he's a little bit closer to understanding the Lord's will than Herschel Walker. Um, you know, you know Herschel Walker is also, to, to be very serious, he is also someone who's mentally ill. He's someone who is, who, who, who's, who I think, properly sustained brain injuries while playing football. 